Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explaining his uh, inamat and his blessings that man is ungrateful for whatever Allah has given him and here the uh, object is animals mm-hmm. that uh, animals are a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially cattle, that Allah has given them through the cattle food, uh, sustenance, clothing, shelter, milk, and many other things that human beings produce and they manufacture from them. So as a sign of Allah's ni'mah. Human beings are asked to be grateful and then <coughs> relate their blessings back to the Mun'im, the one who gives the ni'mah, and worship him. Do they not see that indeed we have created for them what we have made from our hands, what our hands have made? An'aman, what is that? Cattle that we made cattle with our hands and uh, with our blessings and through the process of creation and then they own them so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created them they belong to him but on earth Allah gives human beings the right and the ability to own and control animals and especially cattle. So now one is creating and the other is to deputize others (coughs) to own. Ownership belongs to Allah and man as Allah's deputy is allowed to own and to control and to master everything that Allah has created. So this in itself is a great ni'mah. Do they not see, meaning do they not believe this? Seeing is believing. So there is their, uh, this criterion of seeing is in the fact that they should believe as part of their theology. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing them to do this. Hum malikun. Let them, they have control over whatever Allah has made with his hands. And we are the ones that have made them subservient for them. Lahum, meaning Allah has given man the ability 
uh, to subjugate these huge animals uh, and uh, it would not make uh, too much sense to someone else outside the planet when you have a small little man controlling this beast. Um, maybe the size of the beast, uh, obviously and the weight of the beast outweighs the weight and the size of the, the man and the shepherd and whoever is now uh, running the affairs of the animals. And so Allah gave man the ability to do this and this subtle ability is a ni'mah that human beings must appreciate. Otherwise, if man was not given this ability, then it should be that animals should rule the world. But animals don't rule the world. Oh. Human beings rule the world. Allah has made subservient for them, made them subservient so that human beings may manipulate and then use and sometimes exploit uh, these cattle and these animals to their advantage and to their benefit. So some of them, they ride. They ride, some of them. وَمِنْهَا يَأْكُلُونَ And some of them they eat. Yeah. Some of them they ride like horses and camels and sometimes they eat. Meaning sometimes they eat the camel and they eat the other cattle. The cows and uh, other animals, livestock, sheep, and goats mm, and everything else. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made all of this possible for human beings through the divine cosmological amr and command then this is how Allah wants human beings to regulate their lives and without these animals we would not be able to live or sustain ourselves. Mm. One is that <coughs> you can buy meat from uh, the shop but then who is responsible for uh, maintaining uh, the meat and taking care of the meat meaning the cattle and the animals of the farmers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now is saying to the human being that you must understand your existence uh, as a part of a totality, not in piecemeal, that you're isolating what you eat from the providers of the food. So your mind must go to the providers who are the farmers and those who take care of the animals and so on. There, they are the ones who allow you to buy whatever it is you buy. And if they were not there, you would not be able to buy that. So without animals and cattle, human beings' lives would be very, very miserable. Yeah. So there. Now, <coughs> you still ride animals even today, as we all know. But this is a ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And human beings must believe this as a ni'mah. وَلَهُمْ فِيهَا مَنَافِعُ for them and for human beings, there are many other forms of benefits and also a means of drink. Uh, so you can drink the milk of these animals so that you are now given all the vitamins that you need in order to live and you can also taste the milk is very delicious and so on as long as it's not 2% or 1%. Uh, you, can't, you, you, you can make wudu with 1% milk, I guess. Uh, it's not milk, it's a distortion of the word and the substance both. The total 
okay, disrespectful the uh, nirma Allah has given us. Uh, no matter what the doctors say, we don't care what doctors say. It is not milk, period. Uh, it's a disgrace to the human race. The human race has to dilute a nirma of Allah so much that it no longer remains milk. Do they not now uh, make shukr? And uh, are they not grateful for all of these blessings and inamat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The other manafi' and blessings and benefits that we have from animals the hide. And from the hide you make the leather. And from that you make so many other things uh, in our lives and in our societies. And in the, you know, the stores, in the bazaar you'll find so many uh, items that are made from animals from the hooves, from the hair, uh, from the skin, from the teeth, and all of that. And just so much ni'mah in one ni'mah. So one ni'mah gives you so much. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the mun'im, the one who gives these in and human beings, must be able to appreciate that as uh, Allah's giving and Allah's ni'mah. So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing down to earth literally the divine order. And the divine order encapsulates everything that Allah has created. This mundane and very rudimentary level that if you're just a farmer and all you do is cultivate and grow plants and then you take care of the animals and the cattle. This in itself is huge because it is on this ni'mah that human society lives. Human society functions on this. So it might be primitive, it might be whatever, uh, barbaric or whatever the terms uh, economists use for this kind of labor and this kind of work. It doesn't matter. It is a ni'mah from Allah. Afala yashkurun. Do they not give thanks and are they not grateful for all of these in our mind? And the answer is yes, we should be. And we should take into consideration all of this now. The, 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 this ayah or these, this sequence of ayat are placed immediately after the ayat that speak on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not allowing the Prophet to compose poetry. And so that is an intellectual endeavor and this is a physical endeavor. Okay, so where there's an intellectual endeavor or where there's a physical endeavor they're all in amat and ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those people who assume they are geniuses, they can't live without the physical labor of these people who provide them food and subsistence. So you must see society as a whole, and you must not uh, uh, dissect society or uh, fragment society and say that I am in this position and I don't care about them, and so on. And those who are there, they must not belittle their service to human beings by saying that they are the intellectuals, and so on. Right? In this Machiavellian <laughs> distribution of <coughs> power, it doesn't make any sense in the Quranic concept. Mm. In the Quran, everybody's part of society. Everybody has a role. Everybody plays their role, whether they like it or not, and everybody should be grateful, not only to Allah, but also to each other, mm. because that's how you're going to run the country, and that's how you're going to run the economy, and so on. So this is kind of very kind of universal and almost cosmological approach to the divine blessings and so on. Um, the poets have their role, 
in society. The prophets have their role in human civilization, and then these people have their role in uh, human civilization also. And their role is to provide and uh, you know take care of these inamat uh, that become essential to the DNA of society. واتخذوا من دون الله آلهة لعلهم ينصرون لا يستطيعون نصرهم وهم لهم جند محضرون Referring to the pagan Arabs that they take false gods they, they adapt gods besides Allah لعلهم ينصرون so that they may be assisted meaning they petition and they plead to their Idols and they worship their idols so that they may be assisted in this world. But the truth is, they are not able to help them or assist them in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, for them, they will be on the day of judgment uh, uh, many hordes and armies that will be made to be present in front of them, and they will not be able to escape those hordes because they will be the hordes that will punish them. Yeah, so here, referring to those people who now want to associate partners of Allah and assume there is some other power besides Allah who can help them in this universe, uh, they are told that the only way you're going to uh, be successful is if you go the way of Tawheed and appreciate the oneness of Allah, that only Allah is the one who can help you. Allah is the only one who can assist you in any in every way and you must rely on him and believe in him at the same time you must appropriate his inamat his blessings the way he wants you to appropriate them and he wants you to use their those inamat and blessings the way he wants you to use them so there's no harm in using the blessings Allah has provided as long as you know that the munim is Allah and the munim are not these false idols Right. So if you want to make an extension of that and say that nowadays people might assume others are uh, God and others have divine powers and abilities and so on, so that maybe, you know, in the capitalist system, okay, that whoever your bosses are and whoever people, of mo- people who have money are and whoever the rulers are and so on. Okay. But that might be a stretch if you want to go that way, but it's maybe somewhat possible. فَلَا يَحْزُنْكَ قَوْلُهُمْ إِنَّا نَعْلَمُ مَا يُسِرُّونَ وَمَا يُعْلِنُونَ Then you, their, their statements must not grieve you. Uh, don't let their statements and their speech, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, put you into some form of misery. Uh, they, they should not make you miserable, whatever they say. Meaning they're not believing in you and your message. They're not believing in Allah and the Quran. That should not grieve you, and it should not uh, deter you, and it should not disappoint you, because inna na'lamu, indeed we know, ma yusirun, whatever it is that they hide, wa ma yu'linun, and whatever it is that they expose. We know their thoughts, we know, we know their intentions, and we know their planning, and all of that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reassuring the Prophet Sallallahu as he reassured him in the beginning of the surah, Yaseen al-Quran Hakim, innaka la min al-mursaleen, indeed you are from those who have been sent. And likewise here, Allah is reassuring 
the Prophet ﷺ that they may say what they want to say. But the truth is we know who they are. And once you know, and once we know who they are, then you should be on track to do the work and fulfill your mission the way you're supposed to fulfill your mission. أَوَلَمْ يَرَ الْإِنسَانُ أَنَّا خَلَقْنَاهُ مِنْ مُطْفَةٍ فَإِذَا هُوَ خَصِيبٌ مُبِينٌ Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes us to the creation of man that uh, does man not see that we have created him uh, from a mere sperm مِنْ مُطْفَةٍ from a sperm drop and then all of a sudden after he's created from this sperm he becomes an open uh, now opponent خَصِيم an open opponent, you know, seems an opponent who argues and bickers and differs with you for every reason and for no reason. So man's origin is very, very insignificant that if that drop of sperm was to land upon you or your clothing, uh, you'd be very, very quick to get rid of it. But once it enters the, uh, <coughs> the womb, uh, and it uh, fertilizes itself with the egg and it becomes a zygote then through the process of creation and the development of a human being now man all of a sudden he has the ability to argue because Allah gave him the ability to see and the ability to hear and the ability to think and with those abilities man now becomes an open opponent against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then he starts to challenge Allah. Okay? So if he looks into the origin of his creation, he will think twice about his arrogance and his petulance and his uh, you know, stubbornness that I should not be arguing with the one who created me from one sperm drop. Very insignificant. Uh, and Allah now has given man all of these inamat and man now uh, starts to argue with the one who gave him life in the first place. Yeah. So this is how <coughs> Allah SWT is leading the reader towards the, the eventuality of man, that man's origin is now going to be recreated uh, and he will be recreated despite becoming dust and dirt in the grave. So man's first origin is here in the mother's womb and man's second origin is when he is delivered from the womb of the earth on the day of judgment. So that's the transition here. The man should know and believe and understand that this is a phase of his existence. This world is one phase of the many phases of his existence and he should not limit his understanding of his existence to this life. And once you overcome that, and you believe in the Akhirah, uh, then you will stop arguing. Uh, the point is that once you know you have another life, after you die, uh, then you'll start th you will start thinking of that life and start preparing for that life. And then all of these contentions man has against Allah, against the Deen, against the Quran, against the Prophet, then will go away and disappear because he's more concerned about what's going to happen to him there. Not here. Here there's a transition. Then you move on. 
what's going to happen to you over there, you don't know. That's all in the hands of Allah because here at least you have something organic. And then you have a process, you have man and woman and you have consummation, you have the sperm and the egg. At least this is a process here. But how is he going to be resurrected on the Day of Judgment where there seems to be no process whatsoever? So when you think of that and say, okay, let me stop arguing with the Divine, let me just worship Him. It's much easier. That's the idea. It's an open, open opponent, uh, always bickering, arguing, and always defensive, and so on. So now this is referring to Haas uh, ibn Wail. This person of the Quraysh came from the desert and he brought a bone that was withered, almost decomposed, and put it in front of the Prophet and said, is your Lord going to revive this bone on the Day of Judgment? And the Prophet said, yes, he's going to revive this one and he's going to revive you and then he's going to send you where you belong. That's what he said. So this is in reference to that story. And then that he coined for us an example, meaning this one, asked while he coined an example for us by bringing that bone to the Prophet And then he forgot his own origin. Where did he come from? So he was made from something that is so insignificant that we don't think twice about that sperm. Uh, and now he, he's saying, He is saying, who is going to revive these uh, bones? As it is now withered away, it is rotten, it is decomposed, ramim, yeah, almost like ash. Yeah. How is he going to do this? Who is going to do this? And so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds uh, in concert with the Prophet statement and reassures the Prophet that we heard what you said and we're going to repeat what you said. That the one who, is, who has given it his initial life, the first time is the one who's going to revive it and give it further life. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, as I said that uh, after when you're in your grave there seems to be no process by which you can come together or your dust you just dust and dirt and bringing all of those uh, cells and molecules together uh, that is an art basically <laughs> right there's no organic process except it's the sur it's the power in the sur of israfil that is going to do that meaning the sonic power, the power of the sound, which, which will carry the Amr of Allah. And when that falls upon these bones, or these withered bones and the, the, the dust and the dirt, then they will regather themselves. And that is a process. But you can't see that process. You can't uh, conceive that process, and nor can you perceive that process, because this is the divine in action. So the divine is able to recreate just as he created in the first place. He is all knowledgeable about every creation. So any creation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings into the world, 
he knows about it and he's able to recreate just as he is able to initiate the creation. And this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sifa, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability, and this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's irada and his will. Uh, so this is now theism, uh, understanding how Allah is, how Allah works, and how Allah does things in the world so that he abolishes those um, objections that man makes as he's an open opponent and man should worry about how he will be resurrected much more than all of these uh, nonsensical contentions he has against the divine in this limited world of time and space. Mm. Then he brings forth an example for human beings to think of that there are so many examples of giving life in front of you. Even as a Bedouin Arab, you know that when you travel, uh, you'll have two types of trees. Okay? And in both types of trees, uh, you will be able to find branches. And when you want to light a fire, what do you do? Well, you have to take one branch and rub it against the other, and all of a sudden a third creation comes out. So that is creation. And you do it. Yeah. yeah. So Allah says, The one who has made for you from a green tree, meaning the fresh branch, fire. So the branch is fresh, and you're rubbing this one against another one, and all of a sudden you get something that's alive. Fire comes out from there, just by rubbing and scraping. Now, if you can do that, why can't Allah do that? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you you now seek fire and comfort from it, and you light it, and so on. Right? So Allah Subhanahu is saying that when you want to benefit from Allah's creation, you do that, and by uh, applying your little bit of skill set and your knowledge, you're able to bring into existence a third creation which did not exist before. So now all of a sudden you have this uh, fire uh, upon which you can heat your food or cook your food or you can warm yourselves and comfort yourselves and it's a means of uh, light and energy for you. That came from twigs which are otherwise dead almost, <coughs> yeah. as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, that the very, very, very basic rudimentary level of a human being's existence, he will be able to find uh, uh, evidences and proofs of tawheed, of the oneness of Allah, that if man can do this at a very rudimentary level, then how is Allah the creator of the heavens and the earth, a very sophisticated level, how is he not able to do that to you? Meaning he can also just scrub your molecules and your cells together and bring you into existence. <laughs> if that's the process, but that's not the process. He's much more sophisticated than that. You are so unsophisticated that if you want to bring something into existence, you have to rub substances together. <laughs> and it's a violent kind of reaction. Um, so that you bring things into existence through this means, and Allah can bring into existence through his amr, through his command, by saying kun. And this is who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. So at least compare uh, 
Allah's ability to your ability. His potency is far greater than your abilities. So you should at least concede that he has some ability. Otherwise you'll be left uh, without any Iman. The one who has created the heavens and the earth, is he not capable of creating something like them? Meaning he is. That he is much more capable than human beings being capable of creating themselves through consummation and creating this fire by scrubbing two branches and two twigs together and so on. So Allah is the creator of the human being, the mother and the father. Allah is the creator of the branch of the tree of the earth. Uh, and that is how Allah Taala brings human beings to the reality that he is Bala. Yes, indeed. He is the one who is the ever-creating Al-Khalaq, ever-creating, he's always creating. Al-Alim, the all-knowing, the all-knowledgeable. So Allah subhanahu wa is always creating, he's always engaged in creation, creation, and he knows everything that he creates. He knows everything as he creates it, and before he creates it, and after he creates it. This is Allah subhanahu wa names and attributes that we have in this surah. As this surah talks about theism, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. So that human beings may relate to his creativity and they may relate to his knowledge, both. Indeed, your Lord is the khalaq, all-creating and ever-creating, and he's all-knowledgeable. Yeah, so knowledge will give way eventually to creativity, and there's no creativity without knowledge. So if that is there in the human beings, it's going to be there in the divine, and his favor is always upon you this way. So this is now <coughs> the, the conclusion of the surah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in the beginning, Yaseen wal Quran al-Hakim that by Muhammad sallallahu by the uh, name Yaseen who is Rasulullah sallallahu and by the Quran uh, which is full of wisdom and knowledge and intellectual insights al-Hakim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you are indeed a messenger and in order for you to prove your being a messenger, we are revealing the surah. And in the surah, there are components and elements of tawheed. And there are components and elements of the risala <coughs> of nabuwa. And there are components and elements of the akhirah. All of these three are um, you know, running through the veins of the Qur'an, as Yasin is the heart of the Qur'an, as we know. Then the ayah, the surah concludes with this very, very dynamic ayah. إِنَّمَا أَمْرُهُ إِذَا أَرَادَ شَيْءٌ أَنْ يَقُولَ لَهُكُمْ فَيَكُونَ Indeed, his affair is that when he intends to do something, he says to it be, then it starts to become. فَيَكُونَ will be translated as it starts to become. Not that it becomes instantaneously. So Allah's kun is there. Allah's uh, irada is there, and then Allah's kalam comes on to the thing that he intends to create, uh, that is his qawl, and when the qawl is there, 
statement is there, then the affair and the issue and the matter now starts to come into existence. That coming into existence is now pre-primordial, <coughs> eternal. So Allah decides eternally he's going to do this and he's going to create the heavens and the earth and he's going to do this and make Muhammad his Nabi and the last Nabi and he, he intended to make the devil the devil, he intended the Dajjal to be the Dajjal and that is all through a cosmological process which may uh, take hundreds of years thousands of years and if you want to stretch it, millions of years we won't go to the million but at least thousands of years time chronology is, is kind of relative anyway so we see that Allah's irada is there when Allah intends to do something and that something is eternal meaning the irada is eternal and then the eternal irada comes down in time and space and when it comes down in time and space it assumes all the rules of time and space that's what we have to remember so when Allah wants rain to come down here and he has the eternal command kun then that transpired hundreds of thousands of years ago right but since your the uh, command the amr is coming through the filter of time and space is going to follow time and space meaning it's going to be slow compared to the kun so the kun occurs and then fayakun is a process by which things come into being things come into creation so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to create Adam, did he just say kun? No, he didn't just say kun. He said kun there eternally, but how was the process of the creation of Adam? The process of Adam was that there was the, now dirt, and there was soil from the earth, and then there was baked, okay, and then there, but then there was water, and then it became mud, and then it was baked, and after that he became uh, fashioned as the human being, Allah carved him uh, with his own hands and after he carved him with his own hands there is now this specimen called the human being and then he blew his ruh into it so this is a process right? Allah said kun to the turab on earth so even the, the heavens and the earth it took six days right? Allah said, took six days I mean the kun was there eternally and then as the kun came down into time and space this was the tadbir of Allah yudabbir al-amr he makes tadbir of the amr he, he arranges the amr he manages the affair and then he organizes and this organization is uh, what you might be able to understand through science the arrangement right and the tadbir might be something <coughs> that might be empirical in the outside of the, the earth okay? through your astronomy we don't know much of it is speculation but on earth you know how the human being is created right so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give somebody a child then he said kun and that kun took hundreds and thousands of years to come down literally to earth and then they consummated and the baby then the baby was and now the egg and the sperm got together, the egg was fertilized and it became the zygote and it became the fetus and whatnot and after 10 months then the baby is born that's how you got your baby but the eternal command is kun 
when Kun comes into time and space, it's going to follow all the rules of time and space. So there's no time there for Allah, and time is for us. So this is why this ayah is incredible in uh, making us understand that Allah subhanahu wa amr is for the Prophet to be the leader of mankind on the day of judgment and he will lead people into Jannah and he will save people from the fire of hell. This is now uh, Allah's kun. But the process is that you have to go through time and space. So whatever happens in this world is going to happen and Allah's kun will also happen. Meaning the natija, the result, will also happen. This is the insight for the Prophet that you are Yaseen and the Quran is Hakim, it is wise and the wise will plan and organize through his wisdom, through phases and stages so that you understand how Allah creates. So the process of creation is now to be understood by human beings and they, they have identified certain causes and certain effects how the human body works and how things work and how you know life works in this world to a certain extent. Uh, so all glory uh, and praises for Allah in whose hand there is the dominion of everything, the malakut, the power over everything, the ability over everything, the sanctity and divinity over everything. And it is him alone that everything, all of you, will be returned. Uh, so everything goes back to Allah. It starts with Allah and it goes back to Allah. <coughs> that it is to your Lord that the final ending and conclusion is. Allah subhanahu is saying to the Prophet Muhammad that your day will come. But before that there is a process. So you will have to observe the process and adapt to the process which is in time and space. For that you require now provisions of assurance, reassurance and guidance and all of that which we are giving you through the Quran and as soon as you realize that this is the eternal plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you are going to be returned to Him. It's to Him that you will be returned, meaning all of this is going to come back to all of us on the Day of Judgment and that is when we'll know whether we are successful or unsuccessful. So it's a plea by the Divine to the human being that you must appreciate you have a long way to go before you know who you are and what you are, before you know your destiny. So destiny is not limited to this world. Destiny goes beyond and transcends this world and then when you finally reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He will decide for you whether you are in this group or in that group. And make us from the group that is allowed to enter Jannah without any hisab, inshallah. So this Surah Yasin is called the Qalb, the heart of the Quran and all the, the, the themes in this Surah <coughs> the discussions in the surah they seep through the body of the Quran and, and, and they travel throughout uh, 
through the veins and the arteries of the Quran. Uh, just that blood does. Well, that's, that's why it's called the Qalb and the heart of the Quran. Allah give us tawfiq to understand the Quran and then to apply it. Ameen yakbul alameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayl khayl. Muhammadi wa alayhi wa sahabihi wa rahmatika.